You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. I am your Din, Matt Hurt, and with me today is my comate, Tiny. How's it going, Tiny? It's going well, Yes, Din. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's been a while. It has been a while. It, this is not a new podcast. No. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. Yeah. This, uh... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, check out Obsessive Viewer. We've yeah. been do stead pretty steadily, mm. with the exception of like a two month span, right? Recording on there. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a good segue. Uh, we do this is pre- this podcast is presented by Obsessive Viewer, which we also have the Obsessive Viewer podcast and also my solo project podcast anthology. Which is also on a slight hiatus now. Yeah. But hey, we're slowly but steadily getting back in, into the swing of things. Um, so yeah, so this is Tower Junkies. First of all, right up top, if you are listening to this and you are located in, in or around Indianapolis, Indiana, and you have an interest in horror movies, which I think if you're listening to this podcast, you might have one. You do. Yeah. Uh, we are hosting at the Obsessive Viewer our fifth annual Shocktober in Irvington event. Uh, Shocktober in Irvington is a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. Uh, we rent out a, a small venue in, in the uh, small hamlet of Irvington on the east side of Indianapolis. We screen the short films, uh, do Q&As with the filmmakers after each screening, and then raffle off prizes, gift cards to uh, local businesses, and just have just generally a great time. Um, it's called Shocktober in Irvington. This year it's on October 12th at 8 p.m. at uh, the Playground Productions Studios in Irvington. You can find more information as well as a link to buy tickets at shocktoberinirvington.com. Right now, tickets are on sale for six dollars. Uh, that is the early bird price. Here in a couple of weeks, it will go up to the uh, to the main price, the general price of eight dollars. So buy your tickets now. Um, if you use the promo code Podcast Two um, when you check out, you will get one dollar off the uh, price of the ticket. So go ahead and do that. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great night. And also, <laughs> uh, this is a good segue here. Um, we are almost committed to, or we're almost, we're almost confirmed to have, um, one of the short films be, uh, um, uh, five, uh, five after five productions adaptation of the man who loved flowers, um, a Stephen King short story, one of the dollar baby, uh, projects. Awesome. Yep. From, uh, Cameron Grimm and the five after five, uh, productions team, um, which if you're a subscriber of this podcast, you will have heard me interview them. 
So that's more incentive to go to Shocktober in Irvington. Tickets are on sale now. Once again, Shocktober in Irvington.com, October 12th. See you guys there. Whew. Awesomeness. Okay. So, Tiny. Yes, sir. Today on the podcast, mm-hmm. we are going to be reviewing or discussing, really, the first two episodes of Hulu's new series inspired by the work of Stephen King. That series is Matt Hurt's fantasy TV series <laughs> from his dreams. <laughs> nice. Castle Rock. <laughs> nice. This is what it, Castle Rock is what it's known known as colloquially. Unofficial me. title. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so basically uh, we're going to be reviewing the first two episodes of Castle Rock. Um, actually, once again, before we do that, a <laughs> uh, couple of news news items to go through. Yes, good, um, good news. Yeah, good, great news even. Yeah. Um, so there's been some news uh, around the Stephen King-averse. Um, Castle Rock, just today, as of this recording... Was officially renewed for a second season. Yes. Which is fantastic. Yes, it is. And, uh, there was an article on Variety, on Variety.com. Uh, did you read any of that or did you just? Uh, I kind of parsed through it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. There was one quote on it from like the head of Hulu that I wanted to, uh, to mention here because it made me very excited. Um, they were talking about how like, Hulu obviously did 112263 and they just recently licensed the 1990s uh TV movie adaptation of it so they have that on their service mm. and uh like the head of what is his official title um um Hulu's senior vice president and head of content Craig Erwich and uh it's it's got a lot of good quotes from him but one that I want to point out is that he said that uh um that with all of the like with Castle Rock they're getting a lot of they're seeing a lot of people watching 112263 now and also it and he said this quote um we have the ability to create a whole Stephen King experience i think that will accumulate over time mm. so not necessarily like creating new content but like just getting the rights to different Stephen King properties and uh also right. hopefully creating new content as well um, which is just super exciting. I'm, I'm really happy for, for this. To, this is a great time to be a Stephen King fan. Oh, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the, yeah. the article from Variety that you're referencing was like mm. resoundingly positive. Totally. And like, like the guy Erwich that you mentioned, he's like, mm. like not just positive, but he's like enthusiastic about it. Like totally. You can tell he's excited the way that we get excited about Stephen King stuff. Oh, so absolutely. That's, like I said, good news. Absolutely. Very good news. Super happy about that. Yep. Um, and then also speaking of people who are enthusiastic over Stephen King, uh, Josh Boone. Yes. Was, he was attached to, to adapt the stand years ago, like four right. years ago. Um, and it was just announced, I think today that, uh, CBS All Access is going to be adapting the stand as a TV series on CBS All Access. Um, and he is going to be involved with it. Um, okay, that's good. Which is super exciting because that guy, if you listen to his episode of Hollywood Babylon from 2014, he, uh, he's very, like, he, he's very much a Stephen King fan. And, uh, even his, his movie, like, I think it was like one of his first movies, uh, Stuck in Love with Greg Kinnear and, uh, I think Nat Wolf and a bunch of other people. Um, mm-hmm. 
actually like like Nat Wolf's character was obsessed with Stephen King and he has this whole thing where he tells a girl about how it is a transformative work of art uh the novel and how it's about growing up and everything and stuff yeah um and then it stuff actually and things. yeah and actually has a voice cameo from Stephen King oh yeah uh, that's right yeah. i remember that but this article on Den of Geek announced the you know the um the stand mini series, I guess it's, uh, I believe that, I believe they said it's planned to be like a 10 hour, 10 part. Yeah. 10 part one. Yeah, well, 10 is, hours. I don't think they said 10 parts, but 10 hours. Right. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, great. totally. Um, but this one, I do want to mention that, uh, <clears throat> this article says, I'll just read it. Interestingly enough, Boone had considered Matthew McConaughey to play the villainous flag before the project came to a halt. As we all know, McConaughey would go on to play a version of Flag in The Dark Tower, a disaster of a King ab- adaptation that has forced Sony to go back to the drawing board and rethink the books as a rebooted TV series at Amazon. We can only assume, and this is, this is kind of heartbreaking, we can only assume McConaughey won't be back for The Dark Tower and isn't interested in The Stand. Yeah. Which, I mean, who's to say, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't interested in doing the stand yeah neither neither would i great flag he would be a good good flag yeah Uh, and also i think just popped into my head i think a great flag would be james mcavoy oh that would be great he'd be a great flag after seeing split oh yeah how diabolical he was in that that would that would be good being interesting i think there's a handful of good actors yeah randall flag so um i'll throw out a, a random one well, maybe not so random because uh, I can see him in like denim if he grows out his hair. But uh, Josh Holloway. Okay, yeah, oh, totally, totally. Yeah, can see that. Um, yeah, but in, anyway, looks like in oh yeah, I kind of buried the lead on the big news about about the stand, uh, the ten hour uh, limited series at CBS All Access. Uh, it says that uh, the show is slated for the service's twenty nineteen season. Yeah. So like, it's not like a, oh, we're going to develop this and spend two or three years developing it. It's like, it's right. do that. But, uh, although CBS all access is like boss, Mark, De, uh, voice, <laughs> um, said to be clear, we mean 2019, like a 2019 season. And to be honest, we are a little vague on what our seasons are yet. So we're just trying to get as much through that pipeline as we can. Which okay. kind of feels a little bit like backtracking a little bit. Yeah, it does. But like the it'll be a 2019 fall show, and it'll yeah. premiere at like December 15th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. December 31st, yeah, 11:59, right, and 59 seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I kind of hope that. I mean, my dream is that okay, the Stan TV series in 2019. The Dark Tower TV series on Amazon Prime 2019. Mm. Like, I kind of hope that the universe, or Ka, if you will, mm-hmm. will put everything together for, you know, Stephen King to have a, a great 2019. Which That'd if, be nice. If he, if any year in his career were to have <laughs> a big, an even bigger, like, boost than he has in recent years i think it should be 2019 yeah i agree um and also it chapter two will be coming out in 2019 yes it will yeah yeah another big year for Stephen king oh yeah and then the last bit of news which i haven't read this novella and i'm gonna wager a guess that you haven't either i have not okay so in the tall grass 
which is a novella that was written by Stephen King and his uh, son, Joe Hill, um, is going to be adapted into a Netflix movie that is... Um, let's see, I want to say that it was slated... I don't know when it's supposed to come out. But uh, Patrick Wilson joined the cast. Nice. And he joins... Uh, there was someone else who was cast that I thought was really good. Um, oh, okay. No, it wasn't someone that was cast, but, uh, Patrick Wilson was cast, which I, I really enjoy Patrick Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Uh, James Marsden was originally attached to it, but scheduling conflicts resulted with him departing it. But gotcha. the movie is going to be directed by Vincenzo Natali. Are you familiar with this guy at all? Uh, he sounds familiar. He did... I think I primarily know him from his work on Hannibal, the show, um, okay. which is really grisly and freaking awesome. Hmm. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with with a King property. Sweet, yeah. Um, so that will wrap up news. Um, real quickly, do you want to do a quick Stephen King check-in since it's been fucking six months? Yeah, <laughs> um, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I, let's see, I picked up a copy of The Outsider. Nice. Uh, the new, the new latest book from Stephen King. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I've read a little bit of it. Not too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I really have to say so far. Nice. Eventually we will have to, uh, review it. I read it, uh, in its entirety. Uh, I have some mixed feelings on it. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll have to reconvene and do that. We haven't, we have a review of Mr. Mercedes in the can that I haven't released yet mm-hmm. because I want us to review um, Finders Keepers and End of Watch and then kind of release them all in okay. you know, a short span. Concurrently. Yeah. And then uh, and then after we do that, I think we should review The Outsider because, okay. spoiler alert, they tie in together in, a, a link in, there, a, yeah. in an interesting way. As old Stevie is wont to do. He is wont to do that. Just like the universe of Castle Rock. Ah! I still need to do my Stephen King check-in. Set it up. You knock it down. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's fine. That's fine. We're still getting into the rhythm. Yeah. It's been six months. It's not like we haven't been podcasting for five years. I know. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. We've been podcasting for five years. We now. have. That is nuts. Like a boss. Yep. Um, What's your check-in, brah? My check-in is that, well, I, as I previously said, I read The Outsider. Um, also... Read Duma Key. Okay. Listen to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to do like a solo review of it, um, coming soon. Um, but a couple other things I want to mention is that one is this is episode 18 of the podcast and our plan is next, next time on the podcast. Very careful not to say week. Um, <laughs> who knows? In six months, we will have episode 19. Yeah. Uh, which I'm very excited for that episode because we, uh, I'm not going to say it. Well, I mean, if they go to the website and check the archive, they'll see it. But uh-huh. um, yeah, it'll be a fun episode because it's the 19th episode. Yes. And it will be an episode that will have, that will uh, be, uh, bring about irrevocable changes to the podcast going forward. Nice. Um, not really, but you know. <laughs> But anyway, um, and then finally, um, if you listen to Obsessive Viewer, you'll know that I have mentioned that I'm working on compiling a top 100 favorite movies of all time list, which is an 
good way of saying that I uh, have a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> but uh, in compiling the shortlist, I was not surprised at all to see that several Stephen King adaptations were on there. Nice. Um, spoiler alert, The Dark Tower is not on there. Dang. Obviously. But, I mean, but why? I, well, you know... Um, Every reason. Yeah, all the reasons. All the reasons. I actually had a dream where I, where I had a dream where the Dark Tower was being released on the Criterion collection. Oh God. And I was, I was really confused by it. But anyway, I mean, if you, again, if you liked the Dark Tower movie, more power to you. Mm-hmm. We didn't. But, um, my final tidbit about that is that, uh, yeah, like the Shining, Shawshank, um, Stand By Me, uh, a bunch that I'm probably forgetting, but like mm. all those are going to be on my top 100. So nice. Yeah. Shawshank is on my, uh, top 25 on Letterboxd. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. which by the way, if you're on Letterboxd, follow us at Obsessive Viewer at Obsessive Tiny. Please do. Um, yeah. Fi- final, final thing before we get to our reviews of Castle Rock. But, um, it was funny because I was on Reddit on, uh, um, the Letterboxd subreddit. And like, like on the letterboxed subreddit, there's a lot of people that post like, Oh, Hey, I want more followers or I want, I want to find people that are like-minded with me. So here's my profile and everything. If, uh, you want to check it out and, uh, which is great because, you know, uh, it, it's a great way to kind of connect with people. And that's kind of the point of, um, letterboxed really is finding like-minded, uh, movie fans. But I responded to one <laughs> that was, uh, ah, so only three weeks ago. Interesting. Um, I responded to one said, I followed you. Here's mine. And then the reply was, uh, LOL. I listened to tower junkies, <laughs> Nice, <laughs> which was super cool. And was something I got to knock off of my bucket list. Like someone, you know, recognized me in the wild. Totes. Um, yeah. So that was cool. <laughs> So, uh, you might say it rocked. Uh, Castle-y. Hey. Yeah. That's segue. Your segue was a lot better. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I did that. Timing was off. But anyway, Castle Rock, Tiny. Yes, sir. Finally. Um, so, the brief IMDb description, based on the stories of Stephen King, the series will intertwine characters and themes from, a, from, from the fictional town of Castle Rock. So, um, it's an anthology series based on Stephen King's work. Um, not anyone in particular, but there's plenty of Easter eggs and everything. The way that we're going to be doing these reviews, um, is we're going to tackle two episodes per podcast episode. So this episode is going to cover season one, episode one, Severance, and episode two, Habeas Corpus. Uh, both premiered on Hulu on July 25th. And, uh, yeah, I think for this one, since, since we have, uh, since we haven't uh, peek behind the curtain, we've been postponing this episode yeah. for a variety of reasons, health reasons. Tiny's back got thrown out or something like that. It did. I had a skin infection. Um, it was not pretty. And a skin infection. Yeah. How, how's that working out? It's actually much better. Thank oh, you. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Antibiotics are amazing. Oh, nice, nice. Yes. I'll have you show me after we record. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. So, yeah, so I think for this episode, this is going to be kind of a more laid back one because it's been a couple of weeks since we've actually seen the episodes or originally saw the episodes. And I think we're both at different parts in the series. So we should try to keep it just curtailed to episodes one and two. Yeah. Um, 
I think we're going to go full spoilers. So Let's if you it. haven't seen episodes one and two of Castle Rock, stop listening. Go watch them on Hulu. Come back and listen. So uh, let's talk about Severance, the first episode, mm-hmm. and our initial thoughts on it. So IMDb's description is Henry Deaver, a uh, death row attorney, confronts his dark past when an anonymous call lure, lure, lures him <laughs> back to his hometown of Castle Rock, Maine. So... Tiny, what were your initial thoughts on the first episode when you watched it? Like, what was your initial reaction? I think it was resoundingly positive. I mean, very, very positive. I was, I was into it quite a bit. I think, I think it's, it sort of falls, falls prey to the burden of introducing a story, mm-hmm. being a pilot. It's, Pilots are usually not that great. Right. Or, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult to just kick something up from, you know, from nothing. Mm. It's, it's hard to do. And so I think it lags a little bit because of that, but it's a, it's a really good introduction. I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of intrigue that spikes up. There's, there's some kind of, uh, I mean, there's action kind of, there's a mm-hmm. freaking decapitation. I mean, that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty interesting. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's, it's hard. It was hard to not be interested and be like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. definitely coming back for the next episode, you know? Right. So it, it had a lot of great aspects to it, but again, it had that, uh, that kind of pilot lag to it. Uh, yeah. everybody's still kind of finding their, finding their footings as mm-hmm. actors and directors and everybody. So, uh, but, but resoundingly positive. Mm-hmm. I will echo a lot of those sentiments. Um, yeah, so I, I agree it did suffer from the first episode itis. Yes. Um, and I think that we live in an age now where like Netflix releases everything all at once. Hulu does it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will release the first three episodes up front and then do week to week after that, which I think is a good, fine. It's a good way to yeah, do it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me really. Yeah. Um, in this case, I'm glad that they did the first three episodes up front because that first episode, um, I'm going to watch the show regardless. I'm going to love the show probably, uh, biasedly. Yes. Um, so I, I mean, I'll be as objective as possible, but I mean, the show is made for us. Yeah, really. absolutely. Um, fans of Stephen King, fans of shared universes, fan, fans of, anthology storytelling and fans of you know mystery shows like it is it is in our dna to like the show yes um having said that though there are some qualms i have with the first episode um i'll I'll get to those in a bit i I do want to touch on the more positive stuff um the main hook of the first episode uh, being that well one of the main hooks being that uh we're introduced to terry o'quinn as the warden of shawshank that's such a cool sentence. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and then suddenly he's, he's committing suicide, which I think that was a very interesting hook. Absolutely. And like, and like I, I also kind of wish that, I mean, there's no possible way that this could have ever happened for me, but I, I, I love, and this is an episode that we'll do on obsessive viewer at some point, but I wish there was a way to erase my knowledge of castle rock and of the show <laughs> Because the way, if I'm not, if I'm remembering it correctly, the way that it all plays out is that we're introduced to Terry O'Quinn. He's inter- he's interacting with, um, oh, I can't remember the actress's name, Barney's mom from Harry Met Your Mother. 
um, who's doing this kind of weird accent that I wasn't too crazy about. Yeah. But, um, and then he commits suicide and then the camera like pans over the cliff and zooms in and you see the Shawshank bumper sticker. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It would have just been so cool or it would be so cool if the technology existed to erase my memory of the show and have that be my introduction to the show and like be like, holy shit, I'm watching a Stephen King show. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but that's just, just a weird thing that I thought. But, mm-hmm. um, so I really like that they set it up that way and that that's, that's the introduction to the show. Um, and it's kind of, it sets it, it sets it, it sets a certain tone. And I love that that tone is mystery. Like mm-hmm. it is, I think that this may be the closest, the closest I've gotten to that feeling of watching Lost for the first time. Oh, wow. Um, which is not to say, not to say like it's, it's as good in terms of, of quality characters and, and character development and everything, but just that, that feeling of, of, um, of, of, uh, I guess subjecting myself to the mystery aspect of it. Okay. Um, I just think, I just think that it has that appeal to me. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that's, you know, just the Stephen King mythos at work there. And then also JJ Abrams is, uh, is a producer on it. Um, also it doesn't hurt that Terry O'Quinn is our, yes. is the first thing we see. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I dug that. Um, then we get the introduction of the kid played by Pennywise himself, Bill Skarsgård. Yep. And, I want to say that I was a little, I was a little nervous, um, when they introduced that, um, as a concept, I think it's really interesting and I, I like that concept. And I just realized that we don't actually get that, that, that Terry O'Quinn isn't the first thing we see. We see the flashback with Alan Pangborn and Henry. Right. Um, so yeah, but still like seeing Pangborn on it, knowing that Alan Pangborn is a character in Stephen King, that, that would still be cool to see. See, I had never heard of him. Life. See, I only know of him tangentially like i haven't yeah. read the the stories that he's mainly focused in particularly right. needful things needful things right um but he is mentioned in uh in the dead zone is he Man. yeah as like a former sheriff of okay castle rock okay um also uh stephen king cast the constant reader host over there he uh he he speaks very highly of alan pangborn as okay. a character and like he's the authority on Stephen King. So, yeah. Um, I think he has an entire episode that's cause the way that he does his episodes is he'll review a book and then have like dark tower connection episode. Okay. And I think his episode for, I think needful things was like the dark tower, uh, uh, connection one was Alan Pangborn gunslinger. Um, ah. that always stuck in my head. So I've always wanted to read needful things, but I feel like I have to go chronologically through that's, uh, Castle Rock stories, even though it's yeah. just how my brain works. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, what did you think of, of the introduction of the kid and everything? Because uh, if I if I may just finish my thought and then I'll uh, – I'm going to let you start. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, just when the guard goes down into the hole mm-hmm. um, and then I, I think – like it was suspenseful, it was unique, it was interesting, and I also loved the set design of of that like uh, abandoned um, cell block. I like it looked it it looked like they made a very conscious effort to mimic the set design of Darabont's movie, and that yes. was something I adored. Um, but the way that we see 
uh, Bill Skarsgård for the first time, it's like, it's really choppy and weird. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't understand what was going on with it. But what what did you think of that whole aspect and, and all the stuff I've just said for the last 30 hours? <laughs> no, no, that's, you were, you were on a roll there. Oh, thank you. Um, it actually hit home with me quite a bit more than I think it did with you. Oh, interesting. It, it was just, it was really timely for me personally because mm-hmm. at work, I have, um, I, within a few days of watching this episode, I had to, I was working at a school, a particularly large school, mm-hmm. and a lot of schools and actually just really big buildings, mm-hmm. they will have tunnels, underground tunnels in them. And you found a kid. No, God, oh, okay. no. Um, but <laughs> I, if, if I heard about that on the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm not currently in a straitjacket in a mental hospital right now. I mean, of course I didn't find a kid. No, but, um, th- these tunnels are for like running, running utilities, mm. uh, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, all that stuff. Cause you just can't squeeze that in between walls all the time in large right. buildings like this. And so a lot of these older buildings, they would inc- incorporate these tunnel systems into the schools into these old buildings and they're pretty gross. I mean, they have, they're dirty. No one ever cleans down there. They're dirty. They flood a lot. Um, and so there's usually standing water, mm-hmm. um, bugs, mice, and I have to work yeah. in them sometimes. Oh, screw that. Yeah. It's a bummer. It sucks. Yeah. And so within a couple of days I had, I've worked down in this tunnel and they will have like kind of alcoves in them where they'll have like a big HVAC unit mm-hmm. and that kind of ties into my, my job a little bit. And so that's what I was doing is looking at these HVAC units. And so this one particular alcove did not, the lights didn't work in there. Oh, so I had to work awesome. entirely by flashlight and you know, there's tons of sounds. I mean, it's just, it's freaky. That's so it's, cool. It's not fun. I don't like it. That's I mean, so cool though. <laughs> honestly, like I, I am, it is scary and I mm-hmm. am scared when I'm down there. I'm not going to say I'm not, right. but the worst part is just how gross it is. Like oh, yeah. if it were a clean environment and everything, I'd be fine with it. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be, I could get over that fear. That's not a big deal, Sure, but it's, it's just how gross they are. Just, ugh. um, so yeah, like that was like a day or two before I watched this episode. Oh, that's And awesome. so, um, Zalewski walking mm-hmm. through that abandoned part of, I also go to a lot of abandoned parts of buildings because they still mm. have fire protection in those parts of the buildings and I have to access that stuff. So sure. it's just, it just struck home with me because like, man, if I was making a show like this or telling a story like this, mm-hmm. when someone has to be in an area like that, like mm-hmm. I would emphasize all the things, right. all of the grossness and the scariness and the disgustingness of being in those kinds of areas. And they did a pretty decent job with this show. I think, um, I think it was cool how the chamber that the boy was being kept in, Mm -hmm. uh, or the cistern, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. was clean inside. Like it's all disgusting and abandoned and dirty Mm -hmm. and gross. But then he opens that latch and it's, there's no dust down there. It's not dirty. and It's just kind of, I was like, Oh, this is intriguing. And, I I don't I totally agree with what you say what you said mm-hmm. that it was like choppy yeah just the just that, the way that that one shot was yeah was it was done. it was kind of a strange way to reveal it I think yeah. they could have it could have been more scary I think mm-hmm. and could have been done to a little bit better effect I do I do agree with that but yeah. just that general scene where he's exploring the abandoned part I think just it was just very timely for me personally nice. I was like yeah I can understand how he would feel in that moment. Cause I've been in a space like that recently. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can, I can relate because, you know, with your, with your, you know, hardships at work and everything, I have to sit at a desk and type on a computer. Oh, sometimes, sometimes tiny, I have to print stuff out. Oh, how do you do it? Yeah. It's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. You're a saint. Um, yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) so yeah, that, that kind of, that was very timely for me. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, uh, and we kind of brush past this. We're not really necessarily going scene by scene, but I did mm-hmm. want to touch on, um, a very cool, uh, reference that I didn't, I think, I think the first, cause I've watched it a couple of times now, this episode. And the first time I watched it, I was like, kind of, it was kind of like an against the clock kind of thing. Cause I was like, I need to watch this episode. I need to start the show so that we can record. <laughs> um, and then I watched it today with a little bit more freedom. But I did not catch on first viewing the reference to the actual reference to Shawshank Redemption. Um, where I don't think uh, I, I think caught it. Okay. Well, I think it's, I think it's Zalewski or, um, when, when the new warden is going into her office and like one of the other guards is like, yeah, uh, you know, Shawshank has had a lot of different wardens in her day. And then, uh, he says, he says, you can even see the bullet hole where warden nor, and then someone cuts him off, referring uh, to Bill Gunton, uh, Bill Gun, Bill Gunton, Gunton's character in mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption, Warden Norton. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption, yeah, see it. <laughs> First of all, what's wrong with you? Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, no, but b- being back in that yeah. office, mm-hmm. like I don't, they recreated the office very well. They really it did. Just, like it has that old. Uh, the old stained wood accents mm-hmm. everywhere. And it just feels like a very art deco post-war kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like it just, I don't even know if that's the time frame they're going for, but right. that's kind of when Shawshank is set, you yeah. know, post-war kind of type thing. Made me want to play a record over the PA. And- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just cool to be back in that setting. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And they didn't, they didn't harp on it or anything. It exactly. Was just, yeah. I mean, there was that funny throwaway line, like you mm-hmm. just said, and that's about it. It wasn't right. really. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be jumping around a little bit here, mm-hmm. but Melanie Linsky. Yes. Now she, I I don't want to speak out of turn, Tiny, but I feel like you and I are big fans of hers. Yes. And I would say that that is because of her role in a season two episode of The Shield back in like yes. two thousand three, mm-hmm. which was the first time I ever saw her in anything. Anything, and it was like, holy crap, like incredible performance absolutely um so i always keep my eye out whenever she's in something and i was i'm i'm ecstatic that she's in the show mm-hmm. um having said that though that first episode i don't think it did really i mean granted like you said they they had to cram in a lot of stuff it's very pilot idacy of them mm-hmm. but i feel like what we got of melanie linsky and her character wasn't enough to make me intrigued into how she fits in it. It wasn't until the second episode that I was more on board with her. Yeah. Because really in the first episode, all we get is her getting pills from a kid and her like going over like her little, uh, box of memorabilia about Henry. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of it. Right. And I was just like that. I, I kind of wish that they did more with her. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm curious how she fits into everything. Right. 
Um, yeah, but how did you feel about her in the first episode? I agree with that 100% because as we find out in later episodes, she's a much more interesting character. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of depth to her. She has she she's there's a reason why she is the way she is. Right. And uh and they didn't they didn't I I understand you can't shoot your whole lot in the first episode and you can't, you know, it's like I said it's hard to start. It's hard to get the ball rolling on a story like this. Yeah. Especially with so many characters and fan base and it's it's a big deal. And so mm-hmm. I understand how it kind of got lost in the shuffle, but yeah, that first episode did not do her character enough justice. Right. Um I but agree. she I, I'm happy with the direction that her character has subsequently taken. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And we'll touch on that later. We will. Right. Um, but yeah, and then uh, bouncing around some more, uh, Henry Deaver. Yes. Um, I, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm very intrigued by him and I, I liked his introduction. He's kind of our focal character, I would think. Yes. At least in the, in the, in the inter, in introductory episode. Um, he, I think has an interesting um uh an interesting angle like he's he's the he's the character who's coming home after being you know away for a long time um he's reconnecting with people he's kind of just jumping into this weird mystery that's afoot mm-hmm. um the whole like and also there's a little bit of a re- redemption arc for him I think because he like he uh he's a uh a, a, he's an attorney who his clients all go on death row yeah and like i i did think it was a little i wouldn't say a little much but like it was a little kind of like that's kind of a weird angle to yeah. have him like have a client who was like an elderly woman or an older woman and then i don't know i like it paid off well cuz like she had that scene where she was executed and then <laughs> He's like checking out of the the place, and then like a an alarm goes off, and <laughs> this one like orderly or nurse or woman passes by and says she came back to life. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but I thought that was an interesting hook for that character. What, what do yeah. you make of of Henry and I, I his think, introduction? I I agree. I think it's it's really hammering home this idea that he is like an underdog mm-hmm. because he has this dark past that's slowly being revealed to us yeah. and it's he's he's like the town's black sheep right if you will not just the family black sheep you know mm. um he's got this huge chip on his shoulder yeah that you know he's he has to he's one of the only people who's fighting for himself and right. it's like he doesn't have a lot of people on his side and i think trying to be a death row attorney in texas right. is you're like you're just a glutton for punishment essentially because you know yeah it's it's texas yeah um and so it's it kind of it really hammers that idea home um i think it's some people might complain that it was a little too heavy-handed or a Mm. little uh obvious even or something like that but i didn't have a i didn't have a problem with it because like i said with melanie linsky's character they kind of kind of draws the drop the ball on that a little bit getting her introduced and it you have a very clear-cut introduction to his character i think Mm -hmm. uh in this in this first uh episode so i think it was a a good route to take and uh yeah he's just he's got kind of the ultimate chip on his shoulder totally and like also i i i don't want to diminish the whole like she came back to life kind of thing yeah because i thought that that was an interesting like mystery element to it because it's clear like he has some kind of 
some kind of connection or some kind of weirdness to him or some An mysterious aura or energy. something. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want it to sound like I was being dismissive of that because I thought that was yeah. an interesting angle. Right. Um. And he's also a bit of an an outsider to the town too. And in that first episode, he's like coming back and he's you know kind of trying to find, uh, trying to find his footing and trying to find out like get get back into the groove. He reconnects with his mother and mm-hmm. um. I think the second episode is where he kind of dives deeper into the mystery and everything. But yeah, that first episode is is more just catching up and and getting the pieces in place. Yeah. It's um, a lot of setup. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, anything else jump out about the first episode that you remember? Um, I know there's a lot. Um, I liked the way that it ended with, with the kid in the cell and then like on the, on the, uh, when is it, uh, what's, what's the guard's name? Zaluski. Zaluski. Yeah. Zaluski. Him like seeing him move around and. Right. That whole thing. That was a good hook for the end of the episode. Totally. Um, yeah, they've been good with the hooks so far. Yeah. Because I think it's, this is a, uh, we, we've said before on the podcast and as fans of Stephen King that he's almost, Stephen King is almost mislabeled as a horror guru. Yes. Um, and so I think what this show has done really well is it has, a lot of horrorish, scary aspects to it, mm-hmm. but it's mostly about the characters. And I yeah. think this first episode is just mountains of character mm-hmm. development and and setup and and all that. And then you throw in this pretty scary thing at the end yeah. to make people realize, like, we're, we're gonna we're gonna give you some colloquial Stephen King, but right. we got a lot of stuff for the fans too. And it's like. I think it just, it makes it a broader show. It appeals to a broader demographic, if you will, because totally. there's so much stuff for guys like us. Oh, yeah. Um, but then the, either the casual Stephen King fan or the Stephen King fan who is not a Stephen King fan at all mm-hmm. doesn't need to know all these references. And right. like Castle Rock is such a, um, what's the term I'm thinking of? Nebulous or ubiquitous kind of. Well, no, it's such a, um, it's, I'm, I'm so unfamiliar with it. I haven't read the oh, stories. Yeah. It's a, Dark spot for me, or it's there you go. Like so, a blind spot. Blind spot. There yeah. you go. It's such a blind spot for me in the Stephen King world mm-hmm. that I was nervous about the show starting because I was like, I, I'm not going to get a lot of these references, right. and but there's plenty in there for me because mm-hmm. I've read Cujo and I've seen Shawshank Redemption, and um, I, I there there's enough in there for me when it comes to Castle Rock. I'm almost a casual fan because right. I I haven't familiarize myself with those stories enough mm-hmm. so but yeah it's uh it i think that that concluding hook scene was really it it was really well done and it wasn't it wasn't like over the top it wasn't like super gory or ridiculously scary it was very right. it was very grounded yeah i'll put it that way for something so supernatural mm-hmm. it was very grounded Totally. And then we also get the scene where we see the kind of flashback where uh, Terry O'Quinn's character, who, his name... Lacey? Lacey, yeah. Warden Lacey? Where he is... Uh, Dale, Lacey. Dale Lacey. He is um, speaking to the kid, like in, in a flashback, just saying, like, uh, when they find you, say the name Henry Deaver. Right. And, like... Nice little slice of mystery right there. Yeah. Yeah. And... I got such a lost vibe off of that. Yeah, to- like, totally. Especially with Terry O'Quinn being the the character saying it, and like it just—it's it John just Locke felt... in a hatch. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> holy shit exactly yeah like like that just hit the nail on the head oh my god yep that is uh yeah it's a literal hatch right <laughs> oh man oh that's awesome so great that's so awesome but yeah i i thought that again that's a that's a good hook as well yeah, yeah. and uh yeah so that's pretty much in in broad terms of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to episode two, Habeas Corpus, uh, which oh oh before we do that, I just want to mention kind of my my roundabout like overall thoughts on the first episode is to echo your thoughts. It does feel like even though there were, it was a little bit slow going in the first episode and like establishing the characters and in establishing this world and everything, I came away from that first episode really feeling like. This is a Stephen King show. <laughs> like, yeah. It is so, like, not just with the references and stuff, but just the feel of it, the energy of it, how it's slow, it's a slow build and just more focused on introducing the characters than anything while mm-hmm. the mystery is kind of secondary to an extent. It just felt so much like the first chapter of a Stephen King novel. And if anything, even though I was kind of a little hit or miss with the actual episode content itself, they at least nailed that tone for me as a fan of Stephen King. Totally. So I was definitely impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, great hook for the end of the episode to, to reel me in for, for more. Not yeah. that I would, not that there is any, not that there is any level of the tower where I would not watch the, <laughs> yep. um, the, uh, the other episodes, but right. yeah. So episode two, habeas corpus, mm-hmm. uh, plot description for I, from IMDb. <laughs> uh, the plot summary is Henry gets a new client at Shawshank prison. All right. <laughs> and, uh, first thing I want to mention with this, with the second episode is, and I, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's, I, I, cause at this point of this recording, I've only seen the first three episodes. Okay. Um, I don't remember this in episode three, but I, I, obviously I know in episode two it happens, but, uh, Terry O'Quinn's voiceover. Love that element. Yeah, and a really nice touch. Oh, yeah. And so the first, like, that entire episode is him. He's, he's, you hear voiceover. It turns out that it's his suicide note that he left for Alan Pangborn. Yeah. Deepening the mystery and everything. Just loved that. Loved everything about that. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight, that the the first like lines of the episode is like a rapid fire of Stephen King Easter eggs. Yes, it is. Yeah, and like I wrote it down. Um, the strangler and yeah, the dog. And says the dog, the strangler, and then he talks about uh, when his brother committed suicide. He said that it was uh, the the fall after they found that they found that dead boy by the uh, uh, by the train tracks. Stand by me, Stand the body. By the body, right. <clears throat> um, awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that, that second episode kind of is more mysterious too, as well. Um, deepening the mystery. What did you think overall of habeas corpus? And, and we can go kind of go somewhat point by point because I actually have uh, a little bit of notes on this one. I think it's, it's a good second episode because I think they find their stride. Mm-hmm. That that hook at the end of the first episode, they really build on it quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the... I'm not a big fan of narration right. and voiceover, but it, sometimes it's just a necessity, mm-hmm. and it can be done really well. Yeah. And I think this was a pretty good use of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially when it's... 
when it's contextualized so well. Like if it's just an empty voice, it doesn't. It, it feels even less personable and more of a. It takes you out of the story more. I think. Mm-hmm. But this was Alan Pangborn reading a letter. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't like ridiculous voiceover, you know. Yeah. And so I think that that added a level of authenticity to it, and it made it much more communicable for for the audience. Um, and so, and then I think, in addition to that, I think some of the conflicts start to crop up a little more, mm-hmm. and it's it's we get a clear cut of the direction we're going. We don't have a lot of information yet. It's still a ton right. of mystery, but we get a direction, and I think that's what your second episode has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a lot of great series have missed the mark on their second episodes. Yeah. And so I, I think they did a good job with this one. Um, kind of, especially with the, I think the through line or the crux of a lot of what's going on in Castle Rock has to do with what, uh, Henry Deaver went through as a kid mm-hmm. and they're, they're revealing that very slowly. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I'm caught up. I've watched all five episodes mm-hmm. and tomorrow I'm going to watch the sixth. Yeah. Um, as soon as you leave my apartment, I'm going to, I'm going to, nice. I'm going to watch like, I'm going to go back to episode three, rewatch that and then watch. Please the do. Please yeah. do. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the way they're revealing that. I think there's something, you know, you have to, you have to slow burn this thing. It's, I, I think mm-hmm. it just, some people aren't going to like it, but it's what Stephen King does. Right. And they're, they're being true to his, his vision when they're doing that, I think. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, this episode, I, I just, I really love the sense of mystery. It's very engrossing and intriguing to me. Like we get that scene with Henry and the character Jackie, which we'll talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the scene where, She's implying that he murdered his dad. Right. And, uh, just, I, I like the dialogue in that scene is so great because <laughs> he's asking about a, um, a hotel, I think, or, or not hotel, but, um, a bar. And then she's saying, like, oh, well, do you want the real version or do you want the, the cover story? And then, and then they kind of go back and forth. And then she says, like, well, how about this for a real story? Like, a young boy kills his dad, blah, blah, blah. And then he's he's like, is that a real story or a cover story? And then she's like, you tell me. And it's just like, just I love the writing of that. Like, yeah. The dialogue is so so great. Nice. Um, her name. Yes. Um, I'm not as far as you are, but like I heard that and I was like, that's that that it threw me for a loop. Yeah. And I'm I'm very curious how that's going to come into play. I don't. I'm very curious how it's going to go. Tie in with with The Shining. I kind of hope it's just an east. It's just a little mm-hmm. one-off. Like, like she, she just named Jackie Torrance. There's okay. nothing. There's nothing. It's not. It's only significant in the respect that it was the character of another Stephen King name, right? K- uh, Stephen King character. And see, I would like. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I do. <laughs> I like that it. Um, it it kind of ties in. Like we know that obviously The Shining is going to be incorporated in some way because we know like when they did the first teaser that was the shining was one of the um things that were shown in the in like the barrage of Stephen King isms mm. and and references and then also one thing that I just I I I enjoy in the opening credit sequence or the opening theme music sequence in in the episode mm-hmm. or in in the show is that it shows like 217 
in a couple of shots. And then there's like one shot where, cause it's all like a bunch of Stephen King references and Stephen King pages, but you see one page that shows 217 with a red, like, uh, uh, slash against it. And then yeah. it says 237 above right. it. Right. Which I just, I, it's a very small thing in the intro, like music to an episode, right. to, to a TV show. And I'm just like, that's so, that's so cool. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I'm very curious how how or if she'll come into play um in the ensuing episodes. Totally, yeah. Uh, but yeah, when I heard just Jackie Torrance, I was like, that's it's just it's it's weird because it's not right. like cause like there's no It's not character. like she's named like Christy Torrance or something right. like that, you know. Yeah. E- exactly. Like it's not like like it's Jack E. Torrance. Like it's it's strange to me. And yeah. it's like it's not like I don't know how it's going to tie in because it's, I feel like it's similar to, like, it feels like they're, it feels like they're making an adjacent reference. Yeah. Rather than a spot on one. Like, it would be right. the same as if, like, Alan Pangborn was named Eric Pangborn or something. Like, not the actual character, but named. Right. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. Like a creative license reference or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, well, and plus she's kind of a, she's an odd character because she's very, she's, uh, oddly perky and mm-hmm. kind of annoying, frankly. Yeah. Uh, against the starkness and dreariness of basically every other character. I totally agree. So she's kind of a fresher breath there, but she's like annoying in like a, charming way yeah. I, I don't know if i'm putting that right and I, I don't know exactly how she like what her character is because in in that episode we only get really get her as the uh in the church and then in the in the bar with with henry and i get the impression i don't know if this is from from episode three or not but like is she like a reporter or something hmm. or is it something else i don't think they've really gotten to that yet no. really yeah Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. And I, I enjoy the angle of, of, um, her suspecting that Henry killed his dad. Right. Um, and then there was another thing, cause his response to her was that he, oh, that, that his dad died at home. But then we get the flashback later with, uh, Melanie, Melanie Linsky's character as a kid. I think, is her name Molly? Yes. Yeah. Um, Molly Strand. Yeah. And, uh, where, where the cops come and say that, you know, Henry's dad was found, uh, you know, nearly frozen to death. And so, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a disconnect there, or not disconnect, but a discrepancy there with his story and versus that, which I mean, I'm sure that he did die at home. Um, but it's just interesting that they have that juxtaposition there. Right. Um, but yeah, so Molly Strand. Uh yeah. the second episode definitely develops her a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um she has some kind of psychic ability. Right. Um and we see her we see her meet with uh Allison uh Allison Tolman uh from Fargo, like she's in the sh- in Castle Rock, she's her sister. I just I I love that actress. She's great. Okay. Um, I'm not really familiar with her. She's, she's really, uh, like, seek out some of her work. She's, okay. she's really good. Like, you should definitely watch the first season of Fargo. Yeah, um, I really should. Yeah. yeah. It's, cause, like, I, I, 
I've only watched the first season, but I need to go back and watch all of them. But anyway, that's for our Fargo cast. <gasps> Cohen Brothers cast. Mm. Cohen cast? Don't tempt me. That would be, that would be good. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I like that we got bits and pieces more and also we got flashbacks of her childhood and her kind of connection with, with Henry. What did you make of that and how did you feel about the way that they developed that in episode two? Yeah, I, I, at first I thought she had the shine. Quote unquote. Oh, like, yeah. I thought that's what she had, but I don't think it is. The shine or the touch. The touch, yeah, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think it's more, more towards the touch than it is the shine. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, I, I feel like in, she's <laughs> got the shinning. The shinning. <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> um, but I feel like in the shining, the story, it's more of a, community of people who can shine and they can really communicate with one another mm-hmm. but within the uh, universe of midworld or with right. you know the whole jake chambers i feel like he's more of like a psychic psychic like full-on he he yeah. also has the shine but it's it's like an enhanced shine and so maybe that's more what she has because i feel like in the shining it's like dick halloran and uh the kid Danny Danny Torrance mm-hmm. um they can really just communicate with each other mostly and other people who shine mm-hmm. whereas Jake Chambers can just read people's minds um to an extent mm-hmm. uh you know and so i feel like it's kind of maybe Molly Strand is an amalgam of those two things mm-hmm. or maybe she's not maybe she's something in something entirely different I, yeah. I i don't know but uh she's very i guess empathic yeah, that, um, yeah, exactly. Right, kind of like the uh, the chicken Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So, the, um, but but yeah, it's I think it's uh, revealed quite staggeringly. Um, mm-hmm. And you're only you've only watched the first two episodes, but mm-hmm. I love the direction that takes. Nice. <laughs> you'll you'll see. Nice. Um, but it's 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 well done, and I think it's it's kind of funny to see her wield it or essentially try to keep it at bay. Okay. Um, like she can't control it, you know, I think that's interesting how she's basically nice. has to keep herself almost stoned to keep it at bay. You know, I think that's, nice. that's a cool aspect to it. You know, typically, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting that she doesn't embrace it and like use it in different ways. I, right. I don't know. Um, but I'm fascinated to see where that eventually goes. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I just love Melanie Linsky. I, yeah. I'm so excited to see her, stretch her powers <laughs> right <laughs> in it um yeah so we didn't really talk about this when talking about the first episode but how do you feel about scott glenn as an actor as alan pangborn freaking legend right i love scott glenn me too i mean he's just he's like the ultimate kind of tough guy mm-hmm. like he's always this i feel like he's always a badass i don't know if maybe i just haven't seen all his work but i don't know i just really like a grizzled badass. Yeah, like he's just he's a grizzled man. That's a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah. Like uh like Sam Elliott. He's got mm-hmm. that that kind of like he's not going to play like I remember Sam Elliott played like kind of a hippie guy on Parks and Rec. Yeah. And I was like, "Why? That's yeah. not Sam Elliott." I mean, he did okay, right. but I was like, "Don't do that to Sam yeah. Elliott." You know, he's like he's a, he plays the exact opposite on The Ranch. Okay. On Netflix, like he's this very conservative, tough mm. guy, and that's that's who Sam Elliott is to me. Nice. And and so like I feel like Scott Glenn's the same way. He's he's a 
I feel like he's a character actor pretty much to a T, but he's kind of transcended that and that mm-hmm. he's a, uh, He's 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 not just like oh he's that one guy from that thing it's like right. he's Scott Glenn he's Scott Glenn and right that thing. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so he's I just I love the guy I think Me he's too. a really magnetic actor um, mm-hmm. especially as of late in like like Daredevil yeah, oh, yeah. so freaking good in that mm-hmm. yeah he's a fantastic actor absolutely and he his his role in Castle Rock like. Granted, I don't know Alan Pangborn from the books. I don't, I don't know that character from the Stephen King universe. But for the character that they are introducing in the show, um, having not read any of the stories involving him, mm-hmm. um, he still seems like he's the perfect fit for that character. Because that is the way that they're developing him in the show is very much a Scott Glenn character. Yes. Like, I was floored, and we're jumping around a little bit again, I'm sorry, but I was so floored at the end of the episode when we hear the end of his, of, of, of Terry O'Quinn's narration saying that there's still a defender in Castle Rock, and like you just see, uh, Alan Pangborn burning up the, the note and everything. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is, this yeah. is gonna be good. Yeah, I, I love, I love his character, um, because he's like he's I feel like he's seen some shit and he's done mm-hmm. some shit that a lot of people would question. Yeah. And we don't even know what those things are, but we know that he's he's like he's like the dark knight of Castle right. County, I feel like. You know, he's yes. plunged his hands in to the fill so that you can mm-hmm. keep yours clean kind of character. Right. And he stands by those actions. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's very... I watched The Dark Knight recently, so nice, that's nice. where that came from. He's the but hero he's, we need, but not the one... We're the one we deserve, but not the one that we need right, right now. now. Right, yeah. so... But he's, you know, unlike uh, Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne slash Batman, he's like, yeah, I did that shit, and I'm glad I did it. I'd do right. it again. Like, he's not, you know, he's not keeping a note in his jacket. Right. So, I, I feel like that allows his character a ton of license to just like call people on their shit Mm. and just be very direct. And like, he's just, I, he strikes me as the kind of guy who just never says, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I love when he's basically clashing with Henry. Mm -hmm. I think those two on screen, I love seeing them together. Me too. Um, and then to kind of wrap this thought up, his scene at the bar with the new warden. Yes. At Shawshank. That was the second episode, right? Yeah, it was. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> that was, I think, a great example of it. Because mm-hmm. he, of what I'm trying to convey, he walks in there pretty, kind of, kind of a standard cop guy. He's very cocksure, very yeah. like confident, and sits down at the bar, orders a drink, starts telling the story, mm-hmm. and he's just like, don't let that fucking kid out. Yeah. I was like, damn. God, that was so cool. It was great. So cool. Yeah. Cause she was like, who is this guy? Right. You know, I just, man, I just, I really love that scene. He's so in command of his interactions with yes, people. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's, it's beautiful. Yes. And, uh, and fucking Scott Glenn. I mean, yeah, come on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and again, going back to the, to the note and everything and, um, him saying Castle Rock still has a defender even in the dead of night. God. I love this show. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. But like, feel like that, and then the the dialogue that preceded it, talking about how like uh, like throughout the episode, Terry O'Quinn's voice is saying that you know we've done things and and we've tried to do things and keep things at bay and everything. 
Like, I just love this conspiratorial aspect to the mystery and everything, and mm-hmm. I'm very anxious to see what comes of it and everything. Yes. And then, um, I think really kind of the last thing to really talk about is the kid in this episode. Yes. Um, man, this was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way that the voiceover kind of, um, establishes the kid as being basically evil incarnate, uh, the devil and basically the, you know, what, what Lacey was ju- doing was keeping the devil at bay from being released. Right. And I just, I love that as a concept for the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds, it like gives me just like feelings of like, like dark tower isms yeah. uh, to an extent and like just things like, like toe dash monsters and stuff like that. And, I, it has, it has me wondering if he is an iteration of Randall Flagg. That, oh my God, that would be so. I cool. don't think he is. And honestly, I don't even know if I want that. Yeah. Cause I feel like most, most examples and versions of the man in black, he's mm. not, he's, he's a talker. Like, he, yeah. He's, oh yeah. He's cocky and he's right. a talker. And this, the kid is not that. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Yeah. Um, the him with the Nazi cellmate. Um, yeah, that was, and they didn't show anything. They didn't need to. They didn't need to. Yeah, like I love that. Less is more. Exactly. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Um, because like I I had it playing with like the closed captions. I was like I I don't know what he's saying, and like he says like you don't want to touch me or something, and then. Yeah. The next scene we see of the cellmate is he's like been had an autopsy and everything, and they're like, "Yep, uh, he had cancer. All of we don't yeah. know how he was standing, how he could have come in without dying." Right? It's like, holy shit! What is this kid? What is he doing? Yeah. Like, what? What power is at hand in Castle Rock? Right? Now? He didn't just give him a heart attack or brain right. aneurysm. He like cancered him to death. Yeah. Like that's oof. yeah. He didn't walk past him and just say hate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. Oh, I had to. Yeah. It's been a long six months, Tiny. <laughs> yeah, it has. But, um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a really interesting, uh, really interesting way to expand the mystery surrounding the kid and the, and the character and, and to really deepen, uh, the show's grasp on, on my attention at least in, in terms of, like anticipating what's coming or, or theorizing about what's coming. Right. Um, I did hear a theory or like a, a, um, a friend of mine did have a theory, but I think it's more for like a later episode, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it in, in the next review or next, uh, the review after the next review. But yeah, I think, is there anything really else to talk about episode two that you can think of? No, I'm, uh, I'm, this is a weird thing to say, but I'm kind of looking forward to the next yeah. time we record about this. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and rewatch them and oh, yeah. really get into them. I've, I'm, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm, this, this is my new show. Like yeah. I'm, I'm really yep. into this. Mm-hmm. And as an example of that, like the first three episodes were released on, you know, four Wednesdays ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was, Two Wednesday, uh, the 25th. 25th, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so those first three episodes, I watched two of them that night and I, w- I started the third and I just couldn't finish the third. I could, just mm-hmm. didn't have enough time. Um, but then the next week, watched the show on Wednesday as soon as I got home nice. from work. The week after that, 
watch a show on Wednesday as soon as I got home. Like it's nice. It's gonna be it's like appointment television, right? I'm not gonna yeah. wait for Thursday or Friday. Nice to, to watch the show. Like it's I'm I'm into it. I really need to get into that because I am the worst with procrastinating things. Yeah, and like it's just I need that. Like I love the show. I love what the show's doing. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this show is made for us. Yes, but I've I've just got a lot of balls in the air. And, right, you know, a lot of plates spinning. Yep, <laughs> I tried real. I campaigned really hard to get my wife to watch the show with me. Oh, really? Because it'd be easier for me to watch it. Oh, yeah. You know, if we both watch it. Right. Um, she not into it? She, I couldn't get her. I, I emailed her links <laughs> to like Wikipedia and shit. For you like what, nerd. Ca- what Castle Rock is. I was like, see, it's really interesting. All these books have converged in this one place and there was the Strangler and the dog. And, and she, like, she was like, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, no, you go ahead and watch it by yourself. I was like, damn it. So wow. I'm I am bummed that I couldn't get her to watch it, but uh, that is a bummer. That yeah. is a bummer. I'm I'm considering getting my own Hulu subscription. I, I was just gonna say because you are using my Hulu, I am using yours, yes. but I'm considering getting it just so I can share my login with my parents. Oh, nice! Because they've been Stephen King fans for like 40 years. Oh yeah, totally. forever. I mean, I remember. I want to say like my first. I don't know if I would say first, like, encounter with a Stephen King book, like, not reading it or anything. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, in junior high, like, when, when we would have, uh, super cool middle school sleepovers. Yes. Um, I remember, like, in your, in your basement, like, mm-hmm. your dad, I, I think it was your dad's, like, collection, but, like, I remember, like, vividly remember, like, thumbing through a hard ba- or a hardcover copy of the Tommyknockers. Yes. And, like, being like, oh, I should read this someday. And here it is, like, you know. 15, 16, <laughs> 17 years later, and 18 years later. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ, world. Um, <laughs> and I still haven't read the Tommy Knockers, but. I haven't read it either, but for good reason, because I know it's like alien stuff, and that oh, scares yeah. the shit out of me. So now I'm going to have to assign it to you. <gasps> yeah. Because now Damn. we have a, now we have this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, second episode, habeas corpus, but how did you feel about it? How did you feel about it? Uh, like you said, you finished it and then you started the third episode. Um, like what was your mood going into the third episode? Like before you started the third episode, I'm trying to remember the ending of it was Pangborn burning the letter, right? Pangborn burning the letter and the dog digging up Terry O'Quinn's head. Yeah. 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 Again, I feel like that's kind of the dog digging up Terry O'Quinn's Mm -hmm. head is kind of like, Here's how we're going to hook in the non-Stephen King people because that's, right. again, it's shocking and it's like, yeah. whoa, and yeah. It's, so the, the missing head and two episodes into the show is probably my least, the, the mystery I'm least intrigued in. Yeah. Uh, intrigued about. There was also, there was also a scene where Pangborn was digging up, he was digging a dead up a dog. dog and he took a picture of it and I, I don't know if that's going to come into play later, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I think I think I read somewhere that it was like a pet cemetery reference. <gasps> oh <Yeah>. my god, that's <laughs> oh man, which is another blind spot for me. I've never read that, dude. Yeah, no, I've seen the movie, dude. Okay, calm yeah. down, dude. <laughs> um, that'll be our next assignment. I have. Let me see how many. I have that's... at least two Audible credits. Yeah. I just got my two Audible credits because I have the membership that gets two member two credits. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like as we were recording, I got the email saying like, "Hey, here's your new credits. Here's nice. what's new." But I mean, I ha- I already have Pet Cemetery and everything on there because it was a uh, the new version that's read by uh, Michael C. Hall. Done. 
Did you get it? No, I'm, oh, I, okay. I, that might be what I do next. Nice. Um, <clears throat> like next, you'll buy next or listen to next? We'll see. Okay. We'll, we'll figure it out because we do need to have an episode review or like a uh, novel review. Um, <clears throat> to get back in the swing of things here. Yes. I'm going to actually download Pet Cemetery to my phone. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I was, I'm very intrigued and very, uh, very into it so far. Me too. Um, yeah, and I think, should this just about do it for this episode, I think? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of new content and, and reviewing movie or re- reviewing novels and everything, like I said, I'm gonna do a solo Duma Key novel review here in the coming weeks. Next time on the podcast, though, we're gonna be episode 19. Which is going to be a fun episode for us. We have a special, a special episode planned that I'm really looking forward to. Um, cause it involves lists and I love lists. Um, also, uh, frequent guest on Obsessive Viewer and past guest on, uh, Tower Junkies, Robert Feckus has read The Gunslinger. So. Nice. We, that should be the next assignment cause we need <laughs> to have him on to review The Gunslinger. My original plan, was to have Tony Troxel from Geeking in Indiana have him read The Gunslinger or read the books and then me do a one-on-one review with him of the book overall. And then with Fekus, do, we would do a uh, part-by-part review of each book. So like The Gunslinger would be divided into four or five parts and we would do a deeper dive on there. And then my thought was when there, when we would have those two concurrent review series going and then once it's ended we would have them both on to talk about this right right we'll see yeah we'll see what we can work out but the important thing is that feckus has read the gunslinger and he's actually he actually just texted me while we were recording with a uh a reference to the drawing of the three so we are a dark tower podcast and we're going to have dark tower content coming soon so having said that tiny is there anything else that we need to cover here i don't think so i don't think so either so we are going to oh i'm going to go ahead and reiterate sharktober irvington tickets on sale now october 12th at playground production studios in irvington all of the proceeds go to the irvington historical society we're going to have uh short horror films from local filmmakers including cameron Grimm and five after uh five after five uh, uh productions their adaptation of The Man Who Loved Flowers from, I believe it's from Night Shift, uh, Stephen King's short story collection. Uh, really great group of guys, uh, group of people, and really fun, uh, short film. So we will have that there. More information at shocktobernervington.com. And yeah, Tiny, is that it? That's it. All right. Well, long days and pleasant nights. I may you have twice the number. Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer, for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com 
or by tweeting us at Tower Junkies Pod or at Obsessive Viewer and at Obsessive Tiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from obsessiveviewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts, Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.